0: Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Eric Young. I'm the number three pastor in North Bay Christ the King. Um, Number three in your programs, number one in your heart, mom. (laughs) somewhere. Uh, Hey, I just want to say welcome. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, um, I am a real pastor here, um, but I split my time between this campus and our campus in Ferndale. Specifically, I have the privilege of working uh, with uh, the next generation, meaning students and young adults and ministry interns, and I get to do um, that stuff, so that's a lot of fun. Um, But if we haven't met, I'd love to meet you. Come say hi. Um, and this morning, uh, if you have your Bibles open up to Philippians chapter four, Philippians chapter four, (coughs) excuse me, I'm going to apologize now and I'm going to, um, give you a laundry list of things going on with me so that you, um, don't think I'm like dying or being weird, but I, there's something weird going on with my throat. Um, and I don't know what is my voice is cutting in and out. Um, I have a headache right now that I've had all morning that's going from the middle of my brain to my temples. I don't know why. Um, On top of that, um, I have these like weird muscle spasm cramps in my sides, and my mom's thinking, drink water. And I've been drinking water all day. Um, And on top of that, I'm talking about how we actually think in our mindset, um, of which I have like clinically diagnosed ADD, so all these things are distracting me. So I'm going to do my best to not be a distraction to you, if you could just please help me and pray for me, Um, because ultimately we're going to hear uh, the truth of God's word, which doesn't return void, Um, and so that's the word that matters. Uh, My words don't. So I just want to thank you for your grace and patience. Um, But with that, I wish there was a cure-all for everything that's going on inside of me. Do you ever, do you know um, anybody that just has a cure-all for everything? Like, we just had Thanksgiving, so I think Thanksgiving is more so a day to honor grandmas and remember them. And, like, grandmas have cure-alls for everything. My mom's a grandma now. She has a cure-all for everything. Like I said, it's drink water. Um, um, But have you seen my big fat Greek wedding? The dad, it's Windex. He sprays it on everything. Like, uh, turn to your neighbor and actually, what are some cure-alls that you've seen? Like, tell them, somebody around you, a cure-all that you've seen. If you don't have a neighbor, you could just yell it to me. (sighs) Okay, so what were some of the cure-alls that you heard? Just yell them at me. Sleep. Sleep. Oh, coconut oil. I know those people. Who else? What? Herbal teas. All the herbal teas. What were some other cure Or Anybody like essential oils? Like you're diffusing, you're like rubbing, you're sniffing. Um, I learned the hard way that it's not supposed to like get put in tea and drink like to make it more concentrated. Um, it actually just makes your mouth burn. Um, learned that the hard way. But because I love my wife so much, I'm going to pick on her because my wife, Savannah, if you know her, she has a cure-all for everything. And it's the worst possible thing in the world because I hate, I hate the smell and the taste and all things about vinegar. (laughs) There's a stain, maybe the baby, I don't know, peed, pooped, puked, whatever on the carpet. Um, Instead of getting the good smelling chemicals, vinegar. Okay, there's a clogged drain. Never mind the people at Drano that have made a million-dollar, billion-dollar company um, unclogging drains with chemicals, vinegar. Um, If she wants to, like, repel me and doesn't want to kiss me, like, if I'm in trouble, salt and vinegar chips. She (laughs) does the trick every time. Um, What else do we have? Um, oh, man, our kids, they get sunburned because they have her genes more than mine. And they're little red kids walking around smelling like vinegar. (laughs) I get heartburn. She wakes me up, says, go drink the vinegar. It's like, just let me have heartburn in peace. (laughs) But these remedies, like, it's this cure-all. And I'm thankful for it, but at the end of the day, like, I hate the smell of vinegar. I hate the taste of it. I hate everything about it. It's clear. And I don't like the way it looks. Because it may solve the problem, but it lingers. I don't know. I feel like maybe sometimes there's some truth in this story. That there's solutions that God has for us um, that are actually really effective. Um however we maybe don't like the way it smells or the way it tastes. Um and, and we get hung up focusing on something other than the solution because here's what I'm convinced of like my wife's quirky cure all. I'm convinced it only works because she believes in it so much. Um but I want to convince myself of that because here's what happens. Even when it does work, here's the state of my human condition revealed. Instead of being happy and satisfied that there was a solution to the problem, I actually ungratefully overlooked the solution because I'm too busy focusing on what I don't like about vinegar. Never mind that the kid's sunburns, like, don't hurt anymore because they stink. That inconveniences me. Never mind we don't need to replace the carpet, um, and the baby can not only, like, get the stain removed, but now she can, like, drag her face around and lick it up because it's safe, unlike the chemicals I would use. Never mind all the other solutions that this terrible thing brought. Because I'm so focused on myself and what I don't like about it. Or here's the other thing that happens. I'm really, and this is actually the next layer down, I'm probably more just frustrated that she had the right solution. While I was trying to come up and prove all these other solutions so that I could be, white, be right, she was. And I missed this opportunity to be thankful. So, in front of all these people, Savannah, thank you. Thank you for being the vinegar in my life. <laughs> Oh, that's a funny story. First time we met, I'll tell you another time. (laughs) (laughs) But I wonder if maybe in a world that says, focus on you, some of God's solutions, um, even if they're the right ones, and maybe even we believe that they work, we don't like the way that they taste, look, smell, or feel, because it takes the attention and the focus off of ourself. And actually redirects it to the right place. We're going to see today this cure-all, I believe, for discontentment, for dissatisfaction, for anxiousness, for worry, for a critical spirit, for this need and desire to be in control. And Paul's going to lay it all out for us in a few short verses In the book of Philippians, he's writing this letter to a group of people. um, And he's asking them, or actually he's commanding them to do some pretty crazy things that just didn't make sense. Or at least it wasn't the easiest thing to do. And so the question I'm wondering about today is, what if, for all of us, what if thankfulness was a regular response to life? Just as it unfolds. What if thankfulness wasn't just an afterthought, or thankfulness wasn't a day that we celebrate uh, once a year, but something that we um, were disciplined to do in our mind and our heart daily? We would start being thankful for all sorts of things, not just the big things, but the small things. This year, the big thing, we got together as a family yesterday, my side of the family. My sister and brother-in-law are here today, and we are thankful as a family that for the second time my sister decided it was a good idea to get hit by a drunk driver, everyone's okay. I know you didn't decide that, but three to four weeks ago, we didn't know what was going to happen. We knew that we, we, we got a phone call. Um, that there was an accident and they were stopped at a stoplight and they were taken to two separate hospitals. And by God's grace and God's goodness, like we get to celebrate and be thankful for that, that them and their two little boys are okay. They're sore. Aaron got a new Tahoe. I'm sure he's thankful for that. But. But we started getting thankful for small things. Like this morning, like I just said, I'm, I'm in this weird funk and I was looking around in between services. I couldn't find my mama and I couldn't find my wife who's a mama. But I'm thankful for moms. You know why? Because I know as long as there are moms in this church, there's going to be a purse with medicine in it. <laughs> and Christy McAvoy was the mama that saved my life today because I think it's starting to kick in and I'm starting to chip her up thanks to you. I'm thankful. So thankfulness is something that could be fun, but it's not something that we always think about doing daily and regularly. So the question is, what if thankfulness was a regular response to life as it unfolds? Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read in verse 6. Sorry, starting in verse 4, just a minute. Here's some things we're going to see about thankfulness today. Thankfulness produces joy that points others to faith, hope, and love. Here's what Paul writes. He says, always, say always. always. Be full of joy. Oh, you don't need to keep saying that. Just <laughs> thank you. I'm thankful for that you're listening. I'm practicing this like there's no extent. Always be full of joy. Well, okay, let's just stop right there. We've, we fast forward 2,000 years to how we read this ancient text today, and we're not in the city of Philippi in the Middle East. Um, we are in the Pacific Northwest. Praise God, better scenery. <laughs> but does always still mean always? Yes, but do we read it that way? So he's going to make some pretty definitive blanket, all-encompassing statements that if I read this text, literally, it's going to start to make me a little uncomfortable. So we're all going to go there together today, okay? Okay. Always be full of joy. Wait, so always, we got that, but be full of joy in what? In your happiness, in your stuff, in your circumstances, in your promotions, in your What? No, no. In the Lord. Where is our source of joy found? The Lord. He says, I say it again. Rejoice. Here's why. It's not so much for yourself. It's not just for us. Like we benefit too when we are joyful because it starts to shift and starts to change our perspective. But here's who else is affected by this perspective. Let everyone See that you are considerate in all you do. Okay, everyone? Like, everyone? That includes my older sister. I love her. She's my older sister. That includes that person at work that is going for the same promotion, like not going about it the right way and going behind my back. And, or, or maybe it's the person, it's the kid that just doesn't get it every time, chance after chance after chance, and you're like, I'm I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Or, was this idea of, let everyone see that you are considerate. Now, that's not just being considerate to people, but that means taking consideration of. That means taking consideration of not only how you are treating them, but how your decisions and what you're doing is actually going to impact and affect them. Okay, Um, I'm 31, Um, so that means if you're younger than 31, you're still learning this lesson. But I just learned at 31 that the decisions and choices I make affect other people. But there's something powerful that happens when I stop and I think and I go, oh man, I have to stop. Because here's what it does, remember, remember, see thankfulness helps us remember that the Lord's coming soon. Why is that important? Well, because that's remembering what we have hope in, what we have hope for, why we have faith at all. He goes on, verse six, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. This is a big one. But here's what we learn about thankfulness. Thankfulness redirects our focus from ourself and all that we can't control to the presence of a sovereign God who's in control. I'm going to say that again because it's a long sentence, but you should write it down. Thankfulness redirects our focus from ourself and all that we can't control but are trying to. And it redirects it to the presence of a sovereign God who's actually in control. Don't worry about anything, Paul writes. Okay, anything, anything. Well, what about some things, or what about um, my taxes, or what about um, the things I don't have any control over? What about what other people think of me? What about that report the doctor just gave me that um, isn't good news? how in the world can you tell me to not worry about anything? See, those are very real things, and don't worry about anything or be anxious in nothing, as some of your Bibles will say. That's not saying be dismissive of those things. No, you, you sit in those things, and, and you sit with the realness of them, but you don't sit there alone, and you don't sit there in your worry. But when we live in a world where we run around frantically worrying, trying to control all the little things, and we lose sight of what's important in the big picture. It's thankfulness that actually causes us to step back and to breathe. Because I don't know if, about you, but if you're anything like me, and, and my propensity, my default, is to be critical and controlling. There's two things I am great at, left on my own accord. It is to be critical of things, trying to find solutions um, to problems that aren't even mine to fix, or is to control the outcome of things, or to control other people. I have to die daily to that. Otherwise, I've seen me at my best fall short every time. But what happens, is it shifts our focus. And thankfulness causes us to go, okay. I don't know where I can find it. Maybe there's something in here. And when we can't find anything in that circumstance or situation to be thankful for, it actually is an opportunity that directs us, and I would say sometimes even forces us back into a conversation with a God that we have stopped pursuing. It reminds us of our Small, finite humanity and our need for this wonderful Savior who we celebrated what he did today so that we could even have a conversation with the God of the universe. There's something powerful about that reflection that starts to shift our perspective. Don't worry about anything. Instead, he said, what if you prayed about everything? What if we just took the amount of time, effort, and energy that we invest in worrying? And maybe you're not a worry worrywart, but I am. And we reinvested it in praying. Not just praying that God would take something from us, but we prayed the right way, the way that God actually encourages us and invites us to pray in this conversation with him. I love the way that Chris phrased worship today. It is a two-way conversation. It is not a dialogue. And there are times when we want our prayer life to be God writing on the wall like we saw him do in the Old Testament to tell us this way or that way so that ultimately he's the one responsible. Or it's us coming to him with our wish list, giving it to him like he's Santa Claus at the North Pole. And then we go back to being good enough so that he might see us as being nice, not naughty. That's not the God that we're invited into a conversation with. That's not a God that we are to be thankful for to. See, when we think about who this God is and what he has done, our thankfulness goes through the roof. And what happens is the things that we're fighting to be controlling of, we're able to actually release and find the one thing that he came to give, and that is faith. Freedom. Freedom. See, thankfulness remembers God's presence and His peace and how it overcomes our overwhelming circumstances. Here's the third thing thankfulness does it remembers God's presence and the peace that He gives that overcomes are overwhelming circumstances. So verse six said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Because only by thanking him for what he's done, we can remember what he did that you couldn't do for yourself. Then it says this, verse seven. Then, that word then, highlight it, underline it in your Bible. Whatever you have to do, that's an important word. Then. Meaning. After, after we've positioned ourselves humbly, submitted and surrendered to the will of a sovereign God who is far more glorious and gracious than we will ever be or know, says then you will experience God's peace. See, that's what we go to most of the time looking for. Even if we don't know, that's what we're asking for. When we're asking for specific direction or we're asking God to intervene in a supernatural way or we're asking God to take away whatever pain is plaguing us and hurting us, we're asking him for peace. And he's saying, my peace isn't in taking it away. It's found in your realization that I'm here. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Meaning, logically, rationally, with the brain that God gave us to use, that we should use more intentionally and more often than we do. Then, the peace that it it surpasses all understanding, it exceeds what we can comprehend. It's the peace that people around you don't understand. It's the peace that is responsible for people actually looking to you and going, why are you responding differently than I would or anyone else would or that you should? Why do you you have peace in that? How can you have peace in that? It's in that thankfulness that we now have been given an opportunity to point and direct people to the Prince of Peace. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Look at the world we live in and there is lots of reason. There's lots of reason to, to, to not feel peace and to feel unrest. And by no means is that being dismissed this morning. But we have I would say not only the opportunity, but the responsibility as the followers of Jesus, given the hope of the world, given the hope of eternity, given the powerful joy that comes from the Lord, which strengthens us and to endure everything life throws at us, everything that is out of our control. With what little is left in our control, it is our responsibility, I would contend, to shift our focus and the focus of others back to our Lord. He says in Revelation chapter 12, there's a story, I'm not going to dive into it, um, lots of cool imagery, go read it. um, And it's talking about um, the, this final battle that's happening between uh, the enemy and God's people, God's children. And, and it says this, and they will overcome. I mean, they'll have victory. They will defeat the enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy, that is out feeding little lies here and there. They will overcome by the blood of the lamb that we celebrate and remembered this morning and the word of their testimony. This attitude of thankfulness, the mindfulness of thankfulness is actually what is going to give our testimony the confidence and the power to withstand all the uncertainty that this world or anyone around us is gonna throw at us. But it comes from being present prayerfully with our God. He ends with this in verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Some of your translations might say fix your eyes or set your gaze on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, are these the things that we think of? Is this the list that goes through our head when we turn on the news, whether it's real or fake? When we scroll through our news feeds on social media, are these the things that we are thinking and listing out in our mind? My hope is that maybe today we would take this simple truth. It's very simple, but simple doesn't mean easy. But by developing a discipline of thankfulness, take a step back. And whenever you start to feel overwhelmed or that anxiousness or that worry or, or that feeling to be critical or that feeling like you're you've been wronged or that feeling like you need to be vindicated or justified or right, in my case. If you need to feel like you don't have enough or you don't know what's happening next and it starts to overwhelm you, will you please try this and stop? Take a breath. and Start by being thankful that you took that breath. And we can fix our thoughts on what's true. I'm still breathing. It's It's not because of anything I'm doing, but because there's a God who wants me to keep breathing. And what is honorable. Think of all the things that you have seen God do that is honorable, the people around you that you see have honor and integrity that you aspire to reflect and emulate. And what is right? This is one I always get stuck on because me and God have to argue and discuss and debate like what's really right and who was really right. And most oftentimes what God is teaching me is, hey, the most right thing is for you to recognize and realize and go repent for how wrong you were. Am I alone in that? Has anybody else ever had that conversation with God? Thank you for two of you. I appreciate that. He continues and focus on what is pure, not what is filth, what is pure and what is lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see what just happened here as we went down this list. If we would stop and take the one minute, Or if you get swept away, maybe it's an hour and it flies by and before you know it, you've been worshiping and talking with the Lord without even realizing it. And it leads to this place where if you were to stop and physically write out each one of those things on a list, you end up with your eyes, your focus, your perspective, your posture. Everything that is going on inside of you shifts from the frantic busyness and the chaos of trying to control this and that and what they're going to think and what's going to happen tomorrow and I don't know if this kid's even going to turn out and we stop by the end of this list we've refixed our gaze we've refocused on the one who is excellent and worthy of praise the worship team comes forward I want to close with this What this just tells us and teaches us, thankfulness returns our heart and our mind to our Savior and the worship we're wired for. The worship we're wired for, God and his sovereignty. I'm gonna give you a little bit of science to close with instead of emotion. Um, He decided to wire us, his most beloved creation made in his image, top of the food chain, He wired us with something called the reticular activating system. Have you heard of it? Good. I'm going to sound smart. (laughs) The reticular activating system is a collection of little nerves that goes at the base of your spinal cord into the cortex or something that goes into the rest of your brain. Smart. (laughs) And what it does, this little reticular activating system does is it is like the most sophisticated filter of all the information coming in to your life, coming into your brain to process. And it is proven that this is something that has muscle memory that can be conditioned, meaning learned over time, to focus on what is most important to you. This little system complex thing that we are wired with will actually subconsciously process through this, the circumstances of life, the situations, the data, the people, the cues and conversations, what, all the things that we take in, all the stimuli. And it will process and filter through what, what our mindset actually should be and what we're going to think on and dwell on. So what that tells us is the God of the universe who gave each and every one of us a reticular activating system, he hardwired us with something that we could manipulate and be disciplined within the free will that he gave us because we're not robots. Within that free will, we can use our brains to relearn what it means to prioritize and focus on the right things by being disciplined to remember, by being disciplined in our prayer, to be being disciplined and being thankful. When we put before anything else, (laughs) when we put before anything else, the joyful reality that we can consciously choose to set aside time and spend it with the God of the universe who loves us, who likes you, who provides for us, who chose by his sovereign grace out of seven plus billion people in this world to let us live here, To exercise the liberties we have. To choose him. Wow, like that makes me so thankful. Like when I think on those things, I can't not smile. And it's a whole lot better than the uncertainty that I'm trying to figure out and control over here that I never will. It not only sounds better, but it sounds more restful. sounds less exhausting. It sounds like an invitation I want to take. You stand as we pray today. God, thank you so much. God, thank you so much that you hardwired us to be able to program our minds to be thoughtful and thankful for who you are. And as we do that, we are able to be mindful and more aware of your presence and your work around us. God, I pray that Thanksgiving becomes for this body of people, this body of believers who are following you so much more than a day a year, but a daily discipline that leads us, leads us right back to you. Oh God, thank you for how much we have to be thankful for thank you for your grace and forgiveness for all the times that we've taken it for granted god i thank you that my lack of gratitude does not keep me from knowing you does not keep me from your grace does not keep me from your forgiveness all i have to do is look up god i pray for anyone in this place that is, that is struggling right now, that is going through a hard time that, that doesn't make sense. God, and I pray that somewhere in that you would meet them and, and remind them of, of how, how we can be thankful. Even when everyone else in the world says we shouldn't be. We love you.